Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, where podcast that talks about pop culture things that interest us. And sometimes there is whiskey. My name is John, and I'm joined, as always, by Andrea. How's it going? Good, good. Happy Monday, John. How are you? Good. I was uh, a little thrown here because I hit the uh, the mute thing, and it doesn't say that um, this, this this stream I'm watching is muted but I can't hear it. So I guess it's all working. Yeah. Seems like a happy accident. <laughs> mm -hmm. If anyone is like creeped out by me, like staring into your soul, like you can blame my wife for that because <laughs> last thing I did, I did like apparently a whole intro and everything. And she's like, you never once looked at the camera for how <laughs> long. So I'm like, all right, I got to make sure Eye after contact. Two and a half years that when I'm talking to you, I'm looking here. And when I'm talking to the audience, I'm looking here. So I'm getting better every day. Ah, see, it, that's, why, that's why you get married. Your better half <laughs> helps you never stop improving. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's what it's called. Pointing out all your flaws incessantly. Helps yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um well, anyways we're Ashley's here tonight in a um, rage somewhere <laughs> <laughs> just you wait yeah, make a list now yeah um she sick that fly on you right yeah <laughs> um we have castlevania nocturne we're gonna be talking about um, we have discussed the netflix animated castlevania show previously on here the uh previous seasons now we have what is uh I don't know. They seem to bill it as a spinoff before, but it's a sequel, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a sequel. Yeah. I was so. kind of, I was having a hard time figuring out what to call it in my post formerly Twitter. Um, mm. If I was going to call it like a spinoff or a sequel and I went with sequel because that's what yeah. it feels like. Yep. So. Yep. Um. So yeah, we'll be getting into those first two episodes um, in spoilery detail. But that's a little bit later. So um, look forward to that. And then before that, we're going to just you know catch you up on our weeks. We got some sad news. I've got one other news story that I don't remember if I put it in next week's list or not, but I'll probably bring it up today. Um, sure. But we should really kick things off with our drink holidays. Yeah, absolutely. We got a lot to celebrate, so I'll try to get through the list pretty quickly. Um, it is on the tail end today, October 2nd, of Oktoberfest, which began on September 16th, running through tomorrow, October 3rd. So get your Oktoberfest celebrations in during the beginning of October, even though you've got a whole month of its namesake, but not the yeah. celebration itself. Uh, 9-20, September 20th, it was Rum Punch Day. So if you're a rum fan, I'm not typically, but, you know, the weather's hot enough lately in Minnesota, you could definitely be cruising for a summer cocktail, and that would be a classic. Yeah. On the 27th of September, it was Crush a Can Day, which I always forget about that holiday, but I love it. I think it's very funny. Uh, tail ending with that, or dovetailing with that, I should say. September 28th, it was Drink Beer Day. So in honor of both of those two holidays, I am celebrating with a can of beer. Um, it is a, here we go, Saturday mm. beer. It is brewed in Madison, Wisconsin, where Chris and I just went for a quick weekend getaway. And this one is called Lawn Lines, and it's a hazy IPA. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can say you're celebrating Crush a Can Day unless you do that. Yes, well, that's the plan. Yeah, crush it. Okay. That's the plan. Uh, <laughs> I can't crush it before I've drank it, though. That's oh, just see, I think of it, Crush a Can in the sense of, like, you just knock it back. Oh, okay. That's how I think see, of it, anyways. I mean, I took it both ways, but also, like, Crush a Can takes me back to very, like, the few college frat parties I went to when we were just like crush a can. Ah, uh, okay. okay. High quality right. entertainment. But yes, yeah. you can also crush a can in that sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I do want to 
um, before you continue here, just stop and say hello to MJ Honeybee in the chat. Hey, MJ. She says, hello from the hospital bed. Now, if those... I was just going to say, you, I hope you're feeling well, and I hope surgery was a success. Yeah, um, I don't know how much she wants to share or anything like that with the general public, uh, I guess, but I will say that um, I'm... Chef? I don't... But... I'm sure she'd be good with saying uh, that it seems like it went very well. So, yeah. Good. Alive. Okay, oh, okay. that makes more sense. Very different than shove. Yes. <laughs> She's saying, I'm, 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 I'm shove. shove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Nice. Well, I mean, hopefully, yes, our familiar faces um, provide you some minor level of entertainment whilst in the I'm sure very comfortable yes hospital bed so mm-hmm. well I'm glad you're with us I'm glad you're you're feeling you know at least up to streaming a little bit after after your stay in the, or during your stay in the hospital just thinking about you nice all right well you know something that MJ could use probably uh right and early tomorrow to get it going <laughs> Yes, some coffee. Coffee. That was uh, September 29th. That was the drink holiday. I didn't really feel like celebrating that because honestly, when you're a parent to two small children, every day is coffee day. Yep. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I celebrate the concept of coffee, but I don't need a specific day. So, but if you do, that <laughs> yep. was September 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed, man, this end of September really had a whole run of days here. Uh, September thirtieth, mm-hmm. it was Mulled Cider Day, which it feels like that's a great kickoff to autumn drink. But yeah, if you yes. live here in the Midwest, it was not a kickoff to autumn this weekend. It was a return to summer. So perhaps yeah. Mulled Cider was not your drink of choice. One I last hurrah! Understand. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's summer's giving one last gasp here in uh, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're not up for the, uh, autumn drink, then maybe you're looking for a total change of pace. And, uh, the beginning of October yesterday, October 1st, it was sake day. So nice. All right. Perhaps you might celebrate that instead. In this last week, there has been something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely There's been a, a wide variety. How about mm-hmm. you, John? What perchance are you celebrating? If anything? Oh, today was a very long day. Um, so I have a glass of water. Um, <laughs> I, I do just in case I felt like I had to, uh, I have, I have my tequila here yet. So All right. if I, if I feel like it, if I need to like wake up or something, I'll take a little tequila. All so, right. Yeah. Um, all right, well, how's your how's your week been? Been pretty good. Been pretty busy. Uh sadly not too much to do with uh the entertainment world, um unless you count football. Cause I always mm. have time for football. But I did uh I did get through a few things other than uh Castlevania obviously, which we'll talk about later. Um I did, as I was perusing through Netflix and adding Castlevania to my queue, I sneakily saw that uh, Great British Baking Show updated with its new season and dropped its first episode. So Chris and I Mm. rushed to get that under our belts. I'm so freaking excited. I love that show. I love the positivity. I'm just like, oh, yes, it's back. Wasn't there a question of whether that was going to continue or not? Did you say that? Yeah, there was. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they've been kind of like shopping around in terms of like networks. Um, on that, they lost a, a host. Um, they were potentially going to lose a judge. So there was a lot of like question marks around that series future. But like they just didn't want to do it anymore. Like lose them seems to suggest like they just wanted to move on for or like they were getting rid of them. No, one of them quit um, for like their own reasons. And then um, I think there was just like contract negotiations with one of the judges that didn't seem to be going well or what like were a question mark or something. There was some sort of hang up that they were trying to get past. I don't know how serious it was because everybody's 
except for the host who, you know, voluntarily left is back. Um, so it seems like that worked out, but yeah, they're, I mean, they kept it really under wraps. Normally it's a pretty publicized thing because Great British Baking Show has huge ratings for Netflix. So I'm not sure. really sure why this new season dropped with like zero fanfare, but it's here. Nice. All right. I'll take it any way I can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, I did some reading over these past two weeks. I finished Moonraker, which I really enjoyed. Um, that was like, we were talking about this before. That was one of the Bond books that didn't feel so Bondy. It felt like a little more, I don't know, a little more serious, a little more technical, a little more, I'm not sure what the right term is. Okay. But it just felt really a little bit more gritty in terms of its movement away from maybe things like I'm really going to talk about what James Bond is eating for dinner here or, you know, the cocktail that he's having and really going to focus on like the technical aspects and the science behind building this like, you know, machinery, this rocket, this, you know, I don't know. It just, it just felt a little more in tune with the story rather than some of the extraneous details. It was a little less fun to be had, I think, but it was a lot more gripping for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought that, uh, yeah, I thought Moonraker really maintained its pace well Mm -hmm. from start to finish, you know, like I really enjoyed live and let die, but as I've said in our review, like it took me a little bit to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Moonraker kind of right away. I was really interested and like this bond, you know, like I mm-hmm. didn't know how I would, re- you know, obviously by the time Goldfinger, the movie hit, like the movie bond was its own thing in a way. Right. And Connery really defined that. And, um, so I was like, you know, I, I love that bond what is this, the original take on Bond going to feel like to me? And um, yeah, I, for the most part, pretty big fan. So I was, it's weird, I guess, to start with Moonraker for me in the middle, but uh, it was a good entry point in terms of enjoyment. So Yeah, it makes me wonder what I would have felt like had I started with Moonraker and then like worked my way back to Casino mm-hmm. Royale and um, Live and Let Die. That would have been interesting. I don't. I don't Do know if I like- would have had as much patience for it, okay. or vice versa. Maybe I would have appreciated Moonraker less. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Do you? Um, do you think Fleming was getting better as he went along, sort of thing, or do you think it was just like yeah, better story idea in this situation? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, I think the story was better all around. Um, I think, I think it was just more centralized, and that really helped. It was him, simple. Like, yeah, drive it along. It was just a lot easier to keep track of everything. Everything like funneled into one overarching premise, and it all mm-hmm. worked. It wasn't too simple where you got bored with it. Um, but everything was simple enough to keep one main storyline moving and keep you moving along with it. You didn't feel distracted. I mean, I really liked the characterization a lot more, I think, in Love and Let Die. I think he had really, he focused more on fleshing out, you know, our main villain and even all the side characters that we were introduced to. I think everything felt really three-dimensional, even down to like the smallest side character in live and let die whereas maybe you had a little bit of like caricature going on in our kind of henchmen in moonraker mm-hmm. but i think overarching the story was much more compelling what do you think of um the sort of uh i'm the villain and i'm going to explain to you my plot in this one um I I felt it mostly believable. I mean, 
I think in this particular event, Sir Hugo Drax is really, you know, he's been living this double life for a very long yeah. time and he just needs to let it out and just right. have someone know about it. He also, I think, wants to one-up Bond and show him how really clever he is because Bond has beaten him so badly right in the beginning in this whole, like, card scheme. So I get mm -hmm. that he's trying to be like, no, like, I'll show you. Like, you think you pulled something over on me. I need to now prove how amazing and great and brilliant I am and how much I got away with, even though you caught this very small thing. So I think there was a lot of justification for having that go down and like having that story told. Um, especially because I think it's been multiple times that Drax got like rebuffed or beaten or one upped either intentionally or accidentally by an Englishman. So I think the hatred was there. Right. So I totally got that. Did I buy like not just killing Bond outright? Probably not. That was probably a sure. little, I don't know. Explain I don't know, to him the plan and then end him and then just, and then him. just, yeah, just, yeah, say it. And then, you know, make sure he's ended. He doesn't need to like see the plan go through. So mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. that, that part I always find when villains are like, here, let me explain it. But then just like leave you to your fate yeah. while I go do whatever. It's like, no, wouldn't you want to stay and be like, nope, you're dead. <laughs> If it hadn't been such a trope in the films, I think it bothered me less in the books. But because yeah. I'm like so aware that it's a thing that they've done in the movies and then Austin Powers has obviously made fun of it and some of that, right. it really stands out. But uh, Well, and it, I think, stands out more when you can see it visually, when you watch them like close yeah. the door and leave them in a room and you're like, what are you doing? Like yeah. in the pages of a book, like it it just you have to like forcefully visualize it to really right. get the effect of them like leaving the room mm -hmm. so it seems yeah. less impactful but yeah it's still i mean just because we have the movies and we've seen it it does hit you in the books yep and just the way that like there was um you know on things you just handled differently in the books you know in the movies totally guards would come in it would have broke free uh, you know beat him up and stuff in this so like we need some place to hide and we go up in like the exhaust vents or whatever yeah. and they're like blasted with like hot steam and stuff and they just have to deal with it like it's right totally not the you know bombastic hero moments very not often. glamorous not yeah. glamorous at all. Yeah. They talk about like the, the burns they suffer and it's like, just got to keep going. Yep. Yep. But yeah. I, can you see why in this one I pictured Connery more? It yeah. It really felt like Connery thing, like especially him, like, you know, kind of seducing or trying to seduce the um, female protagonist here on the beach and stuff like that. Yep. It just felt like kind of a Connery thing. So. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, well, I want to just like bring up really quickly the the one Bond relevant news story then that I was going to mention while we're on it. Um, there's latest rumor is that Christopher Nolan is in late stage talks to direct at least two Bond films, but they will be direct adaptations of novels and set in the time they originally took place so there'll be period pieces what are your thoughts i would totally go for a period piece that would be really fun um yeah i think it'd be fun and different and i mean i don't know what his vision is if they're gonna kind of buy into this like long term or if this is just like kind of a fun deviation or a little blip I kind of feel like having it just be two short films or, you know, whatever it is, like a short little run of whatever, that would be really fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you would have to pick the right books to do. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. But yeah, absolutely. it could be really fun. It could, and it could be a really fun chance to remake some books that maybe that got turned into film adaptations that didn't really get a fair shake or just turned out like really Moonraker. badly. Like Moonraker. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, I I just thought this was interesting. It's been discussed for a while, talked about that. I mean, Christopher Nolan says he's a big Bond fan. It's a big influence for him. And um, so a lot of people would like him to do it. But um, the doing the period piece element, I think, is the good part of this for sure, the best part. Um, because mm -hmm. a lot of people want Bond to kind of return to sort of the the fun style, a little more of like a Brosnan era, you know, not going mm -hmm. all Roger Moore and stuff, but just, right. just more action adventure, fun spy thing, like a, like a, like a tomorrow never dies or something like that. And yeah. I'm totally on board with that, but I just don't know if I, I wonder if this would resonate with audiences more than that right now. Like maybe we need a few more years for Bond to return to that, you know, like you just keep the audience, you know, we, you see how through the decades films change in tone. It's mm -hmm. like in this, in this seventies, you know, things were real dark or whatever. Um, you know, but before that a couple of decades ago, you had before that you had like flash Gordon and stuff really mm -hmm. bright science fiction sort of things and even star trek um so just go ebbs and flows and i don't know i feel like this might be a good way to really bring bond back to his roots um you know i know they don't like putting smoking in films but if you do a period piece you just like it just can it's yeah. part of it you know so you can incorporate you can get away with incorporating some more true bond things because it's not set in modern day and right. I think it's kind of a good way to get around that. Well, and I, I feel too that, you know, if, if they're going to move forward with this, it would be really nice to maybe take some pressure off the franchise. If Nolan is contracted to do just these two films and nobody feels the pressure to like make this, like, this is our next bond. This is our next, you know, like entire direction. We're going to get like five movies out of this. You don't have mm. to have the pressure of like carrying forward the franchise and this is the bond we've committed to. So maybe we could like loosen up, breathe some life back into this because, hey, it's just two films, two, you know, fun little romps. They're period pieces. They're not like, this is our legacy here. So let's take some pressure off and just have a good time. Maybe that's what sure. this needs right now is just a break to just have fun with it and not feel the pressure like this has to be successful because this is the vision we've committed to for the next, you know, five, eight years, 10 years, whatever it is. That's true. And it could be then, yeah, it could be if people, if it really resonates with people, you keep going, you know? Right. And uh, if it doesn't, then it's over before too long. Exactly. So. Then cool. We tried our hand at that. You know, maybe it gave people a break. Maybe they're ready to, you know, move forward. And yeah, we are going to commit to like our new bond. But I, I think it's a good idea. Cool. Um, all right. Nice. Yeah. Um, glad you might like Moonraker in a couple of weeks. Hopefully we'll manage to make it work to talk about Diamonds Are Forever. Um, yeah, I'm about, I'm about halfway through that and liking that as well. It's a, again, a little bit of a tonal shift. And I can see some kind of like film elements to this, but it's an okay. interesting story so far. Okay. Yeah, I've only just begun and um, I really like the way it starts out. So it definitely hooked mm -hmm. me quick and I thought it was um, yeah. pretty, pretty fun way to get started. Um, I also... Um, I just I want to mention that I watched uh, or I played uh, Baldur's Gate three now. I finally started mm -hmm. Baldur's Gate three. It's uh, it was available on Mac. I thought it was available for Mac on the same day that it came out on PC, but it wasn't. And whatever is finally available, I started it and 
it's been fun to like kind of get me back in the D and D space headspace a little bit. Makes me work on my own stuff a little bit, or at least think about it, take some notes. So yeah, it's been a good time. Good. Um, and then I'm going to be trying to watch, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try better this October, even though I'll be in the field to, uh, watch more horror movies so yes always on board for that so is this what you picked for your first one what you have listed here are you are you counting this beetlejuice here as your yeah i guess so i guess so yeah i mean um i just i've never seen it in full so um it's so funny i had never seen it in full until last year Okay. Okay. Nice. Like I, yeah. I was totally late to the party too. Mm-hmm. I love how it starts. Um, it's promise. Looks mm-hmm. very, very, very promising. I would have kept watching it, but um, I need to put in headphones. The sound was too dynamic. It was going to wake up the kids. Yeah. So um, we just in there. Positive now. So yeah. Um, yeah. I so our friend Luke, um, not my brother-in-law. He um he has this kind of uh group um chat sort of thing of horror fans. And so once a month they do a movie night thing, like just everybody hit play at the same time, whatever, and then chat about it as going. Fun. So I'm in this now and um we did um what was it? I forget what it was called the last one. That was just like the first one I was able to um do but it was it was a lot of fun it was like a early night early 90s or 80s kind of silly horror thing with um a lot of claymation it was really good but um this month they picked the blackening and um i completely forgot to like sign into slack and some of that and so i with my new phone and so i was missing all the messages about it and stuff sure. but i i watched it and like I didn't have high hopes for it or whatever, but um, I can't say I loved it. Um, pretty well acted. I think it's the director's first film. Okay. Um, no, it was the cinematographer's first film. Sorry. That kind of shows. Um, I guess I was hoping for something more fun and um, not kind of trying to drag me into the moment all the time. Okay. Um, was tonally too. It didn't know if it wanted to be all fun or if it kind of wanted to be scary too. Sure. So, yeah. I I do not remember this movie, so I had to look it up. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw a trailer for it at one point, and that was about it. It's like, oh man, that's funny. I don't know. And sure. um, so I I made it all the way through the movie. I watched it with everybody. Um, but yeah, I can't say that. I super recommend it. Okay. So I've watched I've watched a couple horror movies already. So yeah, it looks like from reviews, it I mean, it can't quite tell if it's a spoof. It's a comedy horror. Hmm. Yeah. But but not but unsure if it's going to be like officially a spoof on horror or not, or if it's like trying to do a little bit of straight horror right. as well. Interesting. It's not scary at all. Sure. But, um, yeah, it just know. looks like looks like it might have had a little identity crisis, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it that happens. But yeah, now I'm kind of interested, yeah. but unsure. We'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, we should get into our one. I guess we had the one on the news story, but we have one other one mm-hmm. that is uh, not happy news. No. Um, we fortunately haven't had one of these in a while that we've like mentioned or whatever. But um, Michael Gambon has passed mm-hmm. away. Um, I think our generation, certainly, probably our audience is very familiar with him as the as Dumbledore replaced uh, Richard Harris pretty early on. And um, I think did a pretty marvelous job despite like the kind of weirdness of the fourth movie 
yeah. portrayal of Dumbledore. That's kind of some weird moments there. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's too bad. But he was getting older. Do you know how old he was? Um, I think he was 80s, 80. in his 80s. 82, I think, I remember, maybe. Yeah, I thought but, 82 or 3. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pounds is 82. So. Okay. Yeah. Rest it's sad. Michael Gammon. Yeah, I just, uh, it wasn't something that I saw coming. I mean, I know he's obviously, he was an older gentleman. Um, but these days, I mean, your 80s doesn't seem like, you know, oh, you've hit 80. It's an automatic, like you could go at any moment. It just, sure. you know. Plus, I think the the hazard of playing sometimes an older character is you feel like they're just sort of that ageless yeah. old, you know, mm -hmm. the, the sort of agelessness that just like happens and extends. Like, sadly, uh, someone else who passed away, uh, Betty White, you know, she she could have been 80 years old for 30 years, it seemed like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. This yeah. just wasn't on my radar, so it kind of just came out of nowhere and just mm -hmm. hit me a little bit. It was very sad. I remember the first movie I saw with Michael Gammon that wasn't Harry Potter. I okay. think it was, I, I think I'm thinking of the right movie, Lair Cake with Daniel Craig. And okay. he is very different than Dumbledore. He curses all the time. <laughs> and so it's just like, what is happening here? <laughs> our, How dare you? Yeah, it's our sweet, wise Dumbledore. Right. But. Gosh, I'm trying to remember the first thing I saw him in that wasn't Harry Potter. Because I know I have. Oh, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's true. I was That's like, good I one. Know that is a good one. Um, and that is definitely not <laughs> um, right. anything not resembling. Well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was definitely the first time I'd seen him in something that wasn't mm -hmm. Harry Potter. Do you think it is a... Um, do you think you would see it as a good thing or a negative to have be in a position sort of like a Michael Gambon to many of a generation. You are Dumbledore. You are this character to them as opposed to like maybe a Christian Bale to our generation is like the many faced, you know, he's like plays all kinds of roles and transforms his body wildly. And like, we are aware of that. Even if we have a role that we are most familiar with, there is a lot that have reached like, Sure. Iconic status. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas like there's some actors that are like, they're just going to be that they're going to be that character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, you know, definitely a hazard of playing an iconic character. And I think you have to, as an actor, decide how much, I think for younger actors, you have to decide how much you want to let that define you or how much you want to try and break out of that. Um, and for older actors, actors i feel like they just sort of don't care as much mm. do you know what i mean they they don't take that so seriously they're like if i'm seen as that great i'm still gonna do this whole other body of work because you know like i'm i'm committed to it at this point i probably have a career behind me that i'm already satisfied with so i feel like for somebody like michael gambin that that isn't probably as much of a consideration as it would be to like you know, somebody just starting out like, yeah. um, uh, oh my gosh, Daniel Radcliffe, you know, that sure. that's like, Ooh, there is a danger here that I could be Harry Potter forever. I think he's mm -hmm. done like a nice job of just doing other stuff enough that he's just, I mean, he, he will always be Harry Potter, but it's not mm -hmm. like the absolute be all end all. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that would be a thing. I mean, basically, he can live off of that. He was Harry Potter as a kid forever. Right. Can live off of that. And then and if you just, just like do whatever, just work. Yeah, just do your jobs and they're never going to be the, like that again, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but you're thankful for that time. And now you just that affords you 
job opportunities and yeah. Yeah. All right. Very sad news, obviously. Um, Yeah, I think obviously he was a cherished part of those films taking over after Richard Harris, you know, passed away himself. Um, So at least for that, we weren't in the position, he wasn't in the position of replacing someone. It was, you know, someone has to come in and do this and I'm just going to do the best that I can. Tough though, still, but he did well. Okay. Castlevania Nocturne. Netflix yeah. animated series follow-up to Castlevania uh, seasons one and two and three. three. Yeah. Three seasons. Yeah. Three seasons. Uh, so now we're, you know, for all intents and purposes in Castlevania season four. But um, we've watched the first two episodes. What, um, I mean, what did you... Th- what were your hopes and expectations going in Mm -hmm. and did this uh, meet or not those expectations in what ways? Yeah. So I, I guess I kind of want to start off with the good. Um, So the good was, this was instantly recognizable, like the animation, the style, even just like the sort of feel of starting off in this, like, scenery this well-developed town the buildings the way things that that were drawn I still was like yep this feels I'm in the universe I'm going back to Castlevania um so that was the the nice like recognizable familiar um even though we were kind of thrown in once again and kind of like a in the middle story that revealed itself quickly but you know, you had to take a beat. Um, the bad part about the beginning of this was it felt very like, well, I know how this is playing out. So mm. bummer. Uh, this is a cool opening fight that was really visually once again, like recognizable, like the choreography, the fight style, I just felt very familiar. And yet even before it began, I was like, well, I just, I know what's going to happen here because we have to set up, obviously our hero for some trials, some forging and some loss and tragedy. And uh, yeah, pretty much know how Mm -hmm. that's going to (laughs) go. So the, the beginning was very much a mixed bag in that sense. Um, Did I talking about like really the opening combat? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, right. Like this is, this is like my very first impression of the series and it was a very mixed bag because I, there were elements that I really enjoyed, the familiarity, and yet you used a familiar story, and I felt a little yeah. disappointed. It's like in that. Richter is not doing what his mother is saying, and you know he's going to be a distraction. Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's like this, there's the this drama fight started, and she is going to lose. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of feel like I wish it would have like flipped something on its head or there would have been something like some surprise element or whatever. But all right. Um, so, yeah, so the beginning was a mixed bag, but I felt like the episodes, once we had to get over that, like, oh, we have trauma in our past and our childhood, got really great. Like, we just fast forwarded. Now Richter's like established. We didn't have to go like through a growing up series. We can maybe flash back to that later. Great. Skip ahead. Let's get right to the meat of the drama. Thank you. So that that sure. jump forward, I appreciated. And I liked now we're like really getting into a storyline for Richter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other um, thing I was a little surprised at from the opening, um, I definitely thought that this was going to be like a direct sequel or spinoff or whatever. Like I definitely thought for the way that it was pitched initially, Richter was going to be like Trevor and Sypha's son. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so I was just sort of a little like, oh, there's people in between somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I agree. I I kind of thought that too. But then when we saw the year and it's like, oh, this is much later. So, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought the vampire anyways, the beginning was really cool. Um, yeah. I think he's a cool, um, 
trauma to have return for Richter. Did mm-hmm. you think, I thought his voice sounded like, and maybe it is him. I don't know. The actor in Westworld mm-hmm. plays the like American Indian, um, like Westworld guy. Did, mm-hmm. Is that him or do you just think it sounds like him? I don't know. I didn't look it up, but yes, mm-hmm. you are correct in that. It does sound like him. Yeah. I hope it is him. He's cool. But, um, yeah, like that. I see that you mentioned about not being sure about Richter's voice. And I agree. I brought that up to Ashley and she's like, I like, I, I like it or whatever. And it's like, I don't know that I don't like it. I don't know that it fits. You know, I'm yeah. not sure. It took me almost to the end. I feel like of episode two to, to not notice his voice to just okay. sort of go mm-hmm. with, you know, it's Richter speaking right now. It just, right. It had to grow on me. I don't know that it fully has, but at least it's not distracting me anymore. Yep. Yep. Um, I, um, I like that this isn't, uh, you know, Castlevania very often is all oh, Dracula's back. I like that at this point anyways, it's not that, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get that at some point in mm-hmm. animated Castlevania form, um, bringing Dracula back. But right now that that's not the case. I like it. Yes. Um, I like the, the pace they've been moving at thus far. Um, I have to say, you know, we're they're on the screen now for those that are watching, there's our two newer characters that are introduced and the gentleman from say Puerto Rico, <laughs> I forget where he says he's from. Santo Domingo. I thought I don't I'm not sure. Somewhere in like the Caribbean. He um he sings, does a singing scene. And I want to bring this up because it's just this can go in the bucket of applying to a lot of things. Singing is very difficult in animation and like video games, which also animation. I so I I don't know that I loved it. You know, I get the I get the idea that it was a good song, it was pretty and stuff. They didn't hold frame on him for too long and all that sort of thing. But there's mm-hmm. just a believability like the precision needed for singing and the specificity of like the mouth movements and everything just doesn't sell to me in animated form i just i just just said i was playing Baldur's gate 3 and there's this musical scene and it's a very beautiful song in a beautiful situation it's nice but just doesn't mm-hmm. quite have the same weight. So. Yeah, that that scene felt odd to me. It felt like they were really pushing the, you know, he's an opera singer thing. Sure. And and I yeah. just didn't I didn't feel the necessity of that scene unless it was to give us some more moments with him before obviously. Yeah. <laughs> very you know early tragic demise um so yeah i i i felt the scene was forced you're right like singing isn't terribly natural especially with this particular style of art and animation i just yeah the whole thing felt forced Mm -hmm. was was his voice beautiful yes was the song beautiful yes was it a humanizing moment absolutely but yeah it it just it kind of felt a little out of left field for me. I just see, I imagine like a comedy where someone's like, somebody you barely know is going to sing over your pet's grave or something like that. And you're like, oh, oh, you okay. And then you're, everybody's awkward. They're just like, yep. oh, this person just broke into song here. That's, uh, I mean, I appreciate the gesture, but I don't know what to do it, right um, now. <laughs> it does sort of remind me of like, it reminds me of like a gag they do in like the American office where like a bird has flown into the office window and they have like a bird funeral and somebody starts singing and like playing the recorder. And it, it's See, like perfect. Oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, so it does feel very like it's exactly. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe you know, back in the day, that would feel maybe that would feel more natural. You know, you have more sure. singers and performers or something, and street corners or something, and you just like. I don't know. Maybe it would feel more natural in a different time. But mm-hmm. so um, I do have to say, I know it's like really going towards the end of episode two, but I do have to say I'm happy that he is dead, though, because when we had Richter and his uh, young friend here and her mother mm-hmm. um, and then two new people, it's like this is a lot of people all of a sudden there's too many deal with right now and um to like properly give us make us care and give us backstories and all this stuff and have different powers and all this stuff for a season that's you know like eight episodes long or whatever sure so i thought it worked well to you know just that one more motivating thing you're now she his friend is gonna have uh a foil to have to face off against because you to recognize somehow the monster that he's become. Right. So it just adds something. And, uh, you know, I thought it was worked out well. Yeah. So I, I mean, I didn't feel, um, I guess I didn't feel that, that his character was too much of an addition. Um, I liked his death for a different reason, just because it just, showed that the series was not afraid to have death and have it soon. Um, you know, have a character like, Oh, Hey, are you really interested in this character? Sorry, gone. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Oh, Hey, did these, these four make a really stupid move trying to go spy (laughs) on the marquee and, you know, go to the, the house, the chateau or whatever, and be not sneaky. Yeah. Lose their cool (laughs) and just stand up above the hedges. Right. Ah. (laughs) consequences um yeah so i just i appreciated the fact that you know they weren't afraid to have death early to make it pretty violent and dramatic to have all of those creatures just basically dogpile on him and watch his you know horrified eyes as they ran away it was very emotionally visceral and i thought um the actress you know who voices his friend annette did a great job just expressing like the raw rage and grief that I think anyone would have felt at losing, you know, someone like that. Um, but I do agree with one of your sentiments that this show is short and there's already a lot going on. Um, we have like the whole French revolution. We have Richter's, you know, past with Olrox from America, from Boston. Um, you know, we have the Marquis, this vampire evil. We have the vampire Messiah evil. Um, mm-hmm. We have the church going on who's either fostering, harboring, aiding a forge master. I mean, there's a lot happening here. Um, so I think it's it's all very compelling and all very interesting. And I hope it weaves together into one, you know, seamless story arc. But if it doesn't, we're already getting very messy. So I guess taking away sure. something is possibly a good thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely surprised me. I thought so. I thought it was interesting the early confrontation with the um, Abbot and mm-hmm. sort of like I don't know. I th- I thought it was a well structured conversation. I guess you know, and you're seeing the different range of um, the way they want to have this talk, the way Richter handles it or whatever, and the, how the Abbot seemed pretty sensible, but they were clearly on the opposite. Like, they had a common interest in getting rid of vampires, but they're on opposite sides of the, the idea of a revolution. And right. um, so that was just an interesting conflict to introduce and how I thought, I thought for a minute maybe, like, the Abbot would be better because this show historically has been really like the priests are bad news you know like that's all corruption and terribleness and some of that and i thought maybe like yeah 
that maybe this would be a little different. And so I'm kind of interested in more explaining here because how do we go from, well, look, we see it as an affront to God to take down the monarchy of France. Um, so therefore we'll, we'll conspire with essentially demons. We'll yeah. conspire with um, vampires that are reanimating dead humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, like that would seem like a large leap for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to have to be some great explanation or, you know, just reasoning behind or, you know, even even if it's like two antithetical ideas, people can absolutely hold you know, those two diametric opposites in their minds, you just have to explain it in a way that makes sense. People, cause, because right. humans are very complex creatures and so they can absolutely hold like yeah. two opposing ideals. You just have right. to make it make sense, whether it's like trauma or, you know, like a, an influence, a leader who says, you know, who's so powerful and persuasive that, you know, X happens, whatever it is, you just have to make it make sense. So you're right. Yeah. Right now, the church seems to be holding two very opposing thoughts or aims. Mm -hmm. So how do we make them make sense? And yep. that's what I hope happens because, yeah, it's a little startling right now. Show us the cope. Show us the rationalization, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that's happening yep. there, yep. or the denial or something. So. Yep. Um, I also I saw in your comments here, oh, Vampire Messiah is already here. Um, yeah, that is, that is interesting because so often it's like, oh, they must be woken up, you know, yes. you gotta resurrect them or whatever. Yes. It's like, that's a whole big quest element for the baddies. And, um, we don't have that. So that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I kind of like that. I kind of like that we're skipping some of that, you know, we need X ingredients and the moon has to be, and we have to be here, whatever. Vampire Messiah is here. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. Like, let's deal with it then. Let's mm -hmm. meet them and let's go. I love it. Yep. Um, I I still, I know it's never going to change. I, it's just the way it is. But I, I prefer, I would prefer if movies and television shows that are set in a certain location and speak a certain language spoke that language. I know, look, Gladiator, they all speak English. Ridley Scott's masterpiece, you know, they're all speaking English, but so it's not like a new thing at all, but just if I had my way, I'd be like, well, this show is casting French people. That's what's happening here. Or at least French, you know, people are fluently French. Right. Um, even an, even an accent, even a yeah. legitimate accent would be, would go a ways to be like, we're in France. Right. No, I mean, I, I totally get it. Obviously, Richter can be exempt because he grew up in Boston. Sure. Fine. I mean, he needs maybe to speak he French now. Well, right. I mean, maybe he would have picked up an accent, but like we can we can yes. at least like grasp some yes. straws there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it is frustrating because it does feel like I think it's Tara and Marie are his aunt slash cousin. Um, they, they feel like they would have been living in France long enough. Obviously we got the mother's whole backstory and we know she's not originally from France. Um, but it feels like they would have been there long enough and at least her daughter would have spoken with an accent, but then yeah. you also have our new characters coming in, Annette and Edouard, they have accents appropriate to mm -hmm. their background. So it's like, you, you got to pick a lane. Either everybody yeah. is just, you know, forget it. We're all just English or whatever we are. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. or you at least try to find an appropriate accent if we're all going to speak mm -hmm. English. So we can at least acknowledge the region that we're supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. I just think it would be a cool addition to some things to face the fact that a lot of people throughout history had some communication barriers because they might uh, travel from one place to another. And if they don't know that language, now what's an issue, you know? And if you play D and D, you pick your languages that you know at the beginning, you're given a certain amount. And if you find a book that's in a language you don't know, you can't read it. 
Like, <laughs> you got to find someone that does know how to read it or whatever. If it's someone sure. speaking a language you don't understand, you don't understand what they're saying. Um, right. It's just a level of realism that, you know, look, we're going to get, again, Ridley Scott's Napoleon starring the great Joaquin Phoenix, and none of them are going to speak French. Um, but please give us at least the accents. Make it a <laughs> accent. So, I mean, accents come with their own caution. We have heard me many times, and I'll say it again, harp on about the fact that Channing Tatum can never be Gambit because I will not hear an accent out of that mouth. It is not going to happen. I don't believe it's possible. <laughs> uh, and and yes. Gambit needs that accent. He needs it. It is core it's a central. accent. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, so I totally, you don't have to convince me with your argument. Like I totally buy in and yes, it is distracting. And I did think of you when Maurice <laughs> first started speaking and I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> uh, yep. Um, I, speaking of our mother though, I really did uh, like her backstory. Um, I liked the, this aside they made, to explain it in the animation they did for it. They did some really cool stuff. They made her sister really scary. She was also like, mm -hmm. wow, she's a vampire. Um, I liked that a lot, but I was definitely worried when I was like, Oh, Richter's like, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll be really careful. Um, right. We're going to be so careful. It's like, you're leaving her behind where they clearly already know you live. Right. Like, wouldn't the safest thing be right now to stick together or make sure that she has a proper hiding place or something like that? Because I'm worried that they're going to come back now and she's going to be right. dead too. I was going to say, they aren't back yet in the series. Yeah. Watched. So we'll see. Mm hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. Would you, you, did you enjoy her backstory? I really did. I thought. It made perfect sense. It was a great way to get the backstory now on, you know, Countess Bathory and set up why our characters should be afraid and like why this is better. It's a great way to like introduce the audience to this, but then also get depth on a character. So I thought it was all really well done. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, those are the first two episodes. What what else do we have to say? Anything that we've uh, not really mentioned on these? Like, you know, like I say, a lot of it was familiar in the sense of like the animation mm -hmm. feels similar art. I think there's maybe a little more detail or something with the, the art uh, style. I thought it was, but I think it's feels like a continuation of what we had before. Um, music was good. Yeah. Yeah, music was good. Um, I The only other things I want to say are... I liked the kind of little evolutions we have on weaponry for our heroes. Um, obviously we have the whip, which is, you know, something familiar to us. We have like the elemental style magic that we've seen like Sypha use. Um, but now we have Marie has these like birds and yeah. just something interesting and different. And I kind of hope we get into that a little bit um, or like, Richter has the whip, but then he also uses the whip with knives in a very mm -hmm. specific way. So it's just like little added things to the familiar that I thought were believable, interesting, but not like we're trying too hard here. Yep. Yep. Um, no, I agree. I thought the animal thing was cool, you know, and that she's like pulling out familiars. Um, mm -hmm. There's a poster out to send you of like, the two of them from a Castlevania game. And I thought yeah. they got, you know, the look of them pretty, pretty good. And, um, I felt bad though, because in the, this last confrontation, she like pulled out this turtle and stuff and it was being used to like block all kinds of stuff in front of her. I was like, Oh, poor turtle. I'm just getting blasted there. <laughs> in personal I know. shield. If it, if it keeps going this way, I'm going to have a really hard time with this season because I am absolutely famous for feeling awful for animals in movies and not as mm -hmm. awful for humans. Like I always feel bad when animals die. Like mm -hmm. forget, forget like, you know, movies with war horses and that kind of stuff. I'm always <laughs> like horsey. 
Uh, killed the whole squad <laughs> squad of uh, soldiers, whatever. Like they're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um. Okay. Well, yeah. Um. I'd yeah. say you know I was a little, really didn't know. Um. You know I was hoping it would kind of follow the same track of the other one, but it's like well you know I don't know if it's gonna be able to live up. And we're only two episodes in, but so far to me it's promising. So. If you had to give it a, a rating. On a scale or a letter grade, you pick what what you want to do. Where where do you feel like it would fall for you? I usually do on a five. So okay. I'm gonna say it's hard because it's obviously just pieces of a story. Mm-hmm. Mm, probably, I mean, it's a four. It's not above a four. Um, I would yeah. say it could be a three and a half. Uh, depending where it goes, but if I'm trying to not think about that at all and just these two things by themselves, um, you know, if I'm just kind of like I say, going through the the lists of like voice acting and you know overall story and animation and art style, you know, it's it's been enjoyable. So, well, no, unfortunately, no drama to end our episode because I'm gonna agree with you. I was thinking in my brain like three point five four somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. Like it's, it's really good. It's really solid. Um, I think there's potential for messiness in all of the elements that have been introduced, but I mean, I have hope based on the quality of these first two episodes that it'll come together and be a, a comprehensible and exciting storyline. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Um, that's been Castlevania Nocturne episodes one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you, um, if you're watching the show, follow along with us as we talk about the upcoming episodes. Um, our theme song is written by Killing the Flower. You should make sure to check them out. MJ Honeybee has been was in the chat right away at the beginning. Um, just got done with a procedure, so she's healing in the hospital. So everybody wish her well. And you can wish her well by following her Twitch channel. <laughs> be a good way to do it. Go to, to uh, MJ Honeybee and uh, check out her Twitch channel and um, and her Discord. So um, she hasn't been streaming for just a little bit of time for the hospital and some of that, but I'm sure she'll be back as soon as she can be. Um, can be, ha, pun. And then um, <laughs> see Mike, our friend Mike from the anime show, is uh, Trackmouse34 on YouTube. He keeps promising he's going to upload new racing videos. I haven't seen any yet. So you can go on over there, leave a comment, say, hey, I thought that you were supposed to be putting new videos out. Where are they? Says John. Um, yeah. But you can check out what he's got going there already. Um, let's see. Just make sure that you follow us where you can. Like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all those sorts of things. We're on Twitch and YouTube and uh, the site normally known as formerly known as Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and podcast directories, a bunch of podcast directories I don't even know of. I don't even know their names and you might have it. It might be your favorite podcast service ever and we're there. So um, make sure to check us out in those places as well. I don't think I've forgotten anything um this next week so things are gonna get a little weird with farming for me my schedule so um the hope is that next week we can discuss the next two episodes of Jujutsu kaisen um and then the week after that to be discussing diamonds are forever the novel and movie comparison I don't know if that's going to happen, but we're going to keep trying to put something out and uh, get to get you things as timely as possible so we like make it through this busy October month. So, yeah, that's all I have. They do it. All right. Andrea, thanks once again for joining me. Of course. As always, cheers, everybody.